Hey, welcome to Tech Lido. This podcast is basically the everyday stuff an average person thinks about, raw and honest, filled with humor and wit. We chat about creativity, leadership, entrepreneurship, failure and success. Things which needs deep discussions but lighter moments. So it's me Kazim joined by some amazing industry experts. friends occasionally to talk about some great topics that we otherwise don't discuss in a candid manner every sunday a new episode so i would love you all to join me hey adam welcome welcome to my show um and i'm i'm very happy uh to have you here today my friend i'm happy to be here brother i really really right so so welcome to tech lido and thank you I'm honored to be on man. I really am. I'm so excited we finally got to connect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I see your posts on Instagram or or Facebook and when I read your book as well, the one thing that I ask my myself this question is like how did you make it man? How what was your story? How did you do it? You know, the transformation of your journey is so amazing. It's it's so inspiring for the people. and i just love i just love the way you have changed yourself so you know i i would like to know more you know like how did it all start you know you yeah you um i'll try to take you through it as fast as possible right yeah, like yeah. cuz i don't want to be the one just talking i want to have like a nice conversation yeah. um i in my 20s i was abusing alcohol and drugs while i was um working for and being catered to or groomed i should say groomed to slowly one day take over the family business wow there was a lot of pressure you know some people think when you're in a family business you're spoiled it's quite the opposite you have to live up to everybody's expectations you have to earn everybody's respect there's a bullseye on you the whole time mm-hmm. and the only thing you could the only thing you can do is either succeed or mess it up that's you and i i just felt this overwhelming pressure to be as good as my father and to be good as as good as my grandfather mm-hmm. and it was suffocating but alcohol would help mm-hmm. pills would help well, drugs well, was it because it was easy because you come from a from a family where it's it's a family business you're well established family and you know it, it, easy money or is it is it just you wanted to get out of the shadow and alcohol helped you uh how- well i mean to be honest I, i always loved alcohol it made me feel like superman it relaxed me it gave me confidence it, you know so when i was when i was younger i was the heavy kid I was I was you know my dad used to call me El Chubbo that's what he called me, right <laughs> and um I mean and it bothered me it hurt and then we moved from New Jersey uh-huh. to South Florida to sunny South Florida where you could always have your shirt off and be in the pool every day and I hated it I hated it. um and then I just remember one day I woke up Mhm. I had made the decision like that's it. 
That's it. Like no more pop tarts, no more McDonald's chicken fingers and happy meals and French fries. And like, that was it. And it was back in the eighties. And you know, my mom would buy me flex magazine and muscle and fitness. And I would pretend like I'm Rocky Balboa. And I started doing push-ups and sit-ups and they bought me a weight bench. And I, I didn't know much about nutrition then, but like I would eat grilled chicken and apples rather than chicken fingers and French fries. And in three or four short years, I went from being the fattest kid in the class to the best built kid in the class. Wow. I went from kids going, you know, hey, Adam, how many Oreos did you eat last night? Mm-hmm. To, yo, man, how much can you bench? You know, the girls liked me. Oh. Everything changed except me. Mm-hmm. I was still the insecure, fearful, heavy kid from Jersey, wanting everyone to like him, you know, but with the body and the muscles, I was able to hang out with the cooler, older kids. And the cooler, older kids were experimenting with drugs and alcohol. So it was when, like when you were 16, 17? Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, I like 14? 14, wow. I mean, that was too too young, like, you know. 14, 15? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 and then you felt good hanging out those. Wow. Loved it. But when I drank, uh-huh. it fixed something inside of me, my man, that I, that I did not know was broken. Okay. I didn't know it was broken. And when I drank, it fixed it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, like life of the party, like yeah. Superman, like, yo, hang with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yep. and confidence came out and, and my insides finally matched my outsides because my outsides at that point looked good. And I just thought, what could ever be wrong with alcohol? I loved it. I was the first kid in my um, high school with a fake driver's license. I went to Arizona State University uh-huh. because it was the number one party school in Playboy and Penthouse, which it was made some best friends there and dominated there and drank and partied like a rock star. And then I went into the family business and there was always drinking, uh, heavy drinking at the end of the days in the family business. And to answer your question, how all this began, it was, it was everything. It wasn't that the money was coming fast. Mm -hmm. It was that the responsibility, all all of it came fast. Okay. The responsibilities, the pressures, the, you know, I, I have it now naturally, but, you know, I always had to make sure that I was the first one there. Always good morning. How are you? I knew every single employee's name. I knew their wives' names. I knew their kids. I made a serious effort to try to be perfect. Okay. So, so we are seeing that, okay, you know you what you have to do, but, but you also wanted to get away from that. It's, it's like, okay... I want to make my own identity, but I also want to get away from it. So I want to be me, you know? Um, so, so you're telling that this continued in your twenties as well, like the alcohol and drugs. Continued, this continued all the way till I was 30 years old. Wow. And then when did you meet your beautiful wife? I, I read that by the age of 30, you were all successful with, with, with a kid, um, with a successful business that, that you're running with your uh, family. And then you had a beautiful wife who was your backbone, but you're still dealing with alcohol and drugs. But that's a heavy burden with, 
on your shoulder, like oh, you have a successful family, you have a successful business, but you are also dealing with alcohol and drugs. And it was hard. And was, how, did, yeah. how did you decide one day, man, I'm done. I'm done. No. You know? I didn't. I didn't. Um, I actually thought when we had our daughter that everything was going to change. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. Okay. It didn't. Like, I, my love changed. I was more so happy and proud to be a father, but I couldn't stop the drinking and the, I couldn't stop. I was, I had crossed the line from being somebody that could use it recreationally to someone that needed it. Like my mm-hmm. body chemistry actually needed it. My mm-hmm. mind craved and obsessed about it like no other. And mm-hmm. I walked into an intervention. I did not say like, oh, I think I'm having enough. Like I truly, truly was gonna take it all the way to the end. And I walked into an intervention and everybody had these loving letters mm-hmm. saying, you know, and I, I thought I was going to walk in and everyone was going to like do this to me, you know, da-da. but it wasn't yeah. like that. Everyone was telling me what they loved about me. Um, some beautiful memories, but we know, mm-hmm. we know what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I driven with my nephews that I love, uh, drunk. I had lied over and over and over. I had hid bottles and pills everywhere you can imagine. And they knew, everybody knew, and they kept asking me to get help. And I had such denial mm-hmm. that first, I couldn't agree to go to 28 days. I just couldn't. I agreed to go for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And the last question I asked at my intervention was, does this mean that I can't drink again. And my intervention said, like, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And, and the journey began, my man. That, and that's when the journey began. Mm-hmm. And how long were you in that, you know, when we talk about the rehabilitation and, you know, coming out of that, I mean, definitely um, you tend to go back to those things, right? You're like, you, you leave it and then you feel like, oh, I want to have it more. And then you go back again and then you come forth and, and go back. So how, how long that journey was to come out of this completely, you know? So um, the, the treatment center itself was 28 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm about to tell you, I now realize is a very short time. But yeah. to me, it felt like eternity. It took me nine days to surrender. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I was fight, you know, when I say fight, I wasn't argumentative with the staff, but I just kept thinking that I was better and different than everybody in the treatment center. You know, this guy's smoking crack and this guy's shooting heroin. And I just would try to make myself uh, terminally unique is what they say, different. Mm-hmm. I tried to make myself different, but everything they were teaching me was spot on. Mm-hmm. Everything they were teaching me is spot on. And it started to crack something in here. Okay. Crack. Uh, so, you know, little stories like, um, Adam, do you believe that you're powerless over alcohol? And I looked at the treatment, you know, I looked at my counselor saying, no. And he goes, well, let me ask you this. Did you ever wake up in the morning and swear that you weren't going to drink that night and end up drinking anyway? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all the time. And they go, okay. Did you ever say, okay, tonight I'm only going to have two or three, but then you couldn't control it? I'm like, every time I drink. He goes, do you think maybe if you swear to yourself in the morning that you're not going to drink and you end up drinking, and then when you make a deal with yourself that you'll only have two or three and you end up drinking 
way more. Do you think maybe you're powerless? And I had to go, yeah, yeah. And then he said, do you think your life is unmanageable? And I took stock of my life. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, I got the car, I got the wife, I got the business. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's Adam, you're in rehab. And like, so this is the kind of guy I am. That's the kind of denial I have. You know, I'm like, yeah, I guess my life is unmanageable. Like I had to like, oh my God, right. And um, he gives me, well, first I ask him, does this mean I can't have a glass of champagne at my daughter's wedding? Mm -hmm. And he goes, how old's your daughter? You know, and this is when I was 30. And he goes, and I'm like, she's six months old. Wow. Only an alcoholic would worry if he can have a glass of champagne at his daughter's wedding, who's six months old. And he gave me an assignment that I had to write two letters to my daughter, one mm-hmm. 20 years in the future, and I continued drinking and drugging, mm-hmm. and one 20 years in the future, and I was sober. That was a beautiful, easy letter to write. I was super dad, you know? Mm-hmm. I was at every dance recital, I picked her up from school, I spent time with her, I took her to school, I we would, best of pals, you know, but the one when I was drinking and drugging, that was a hard letter to write. Uh, and, and one more thing, you know, like when these things happen, people who are alcoholics and drug addicts, like they victimize themselves. So in any time you felt that you're the victim, you know, they you played the victim card or you're like, okay, I got into this myself. Or is it somebody pushed you there to go there or like, but you never victimized yourself. you like, you wanted to get out of this and you worked hard for getting out of that. Right. Yeah. So uh, how do you, how do you define it? You know, when people say, okay, I'm, this happened to me, you know, this is what my life is. I lost everything. I lost my business. I lost my so-and-so. So I took up drinking and, and drugs, but you are a ray of hope for those people because you didn't play that victim card. You said, Dude, I want to make my life right. And you want to come out of it. And definitely at these, these stages, your family may have suffered. Your dad was looking after the business. He was worried for you. What was that kind of situation in home? Like your wife, your, your daughter, and, and your dad. How was that? It was hard. It was really hard. So there's two questions there. For my wife, it was very difficult. She had to constantly lie where I was. Um, she felt very uncomfortable going out and talking to friends because she didn't, we, a lot of friends didn't know that I went to rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt lonely and she felt a sense of burden and a sense of over responsibility towards my daughter because now daddy wasn't there at all, at all for 28 days. I think my dad was a little bit more, he's a cowboy. Mm-hmm. I think my dad was a little bit more, 28 days, you're going to get out and you're going to go back to work. You know, <laughs> just, just like, you know, that's it. So that's just how he is. He's, and um, what do I see? Like one of the questions you asked was, what do I say when someone's lost it and they're, you know, they're broken and the, the family's broken? And what I, I calmly talk to them and I, I listen to them with an empathetic, sympathetic heart. But then I tell them what the solution is. You know, and I, and I try to encourage them to attack it, uh-huh. attack it like their life depended on it because it does, Yeah, because it does. 
And, um, you know, it doesn't matter if they have a job. It doesn't matter if they have the wife. It doesn't matter if they have the career. It doesn't matter if the kids are back right now. If they're suffering from alcoholism and addiction, there's a solution out there and they have to attack it. Mm-hmm. Attack it. I don't know any other way. Okay. Uh, and how was the journey when you came out? You were a different man. You knew what you want to do. And how the transformation in business happened that you became a successful entrepreneur. Uh, and, and, you know, you happened to sell your family business as well. But you did go through ups and downs, you know. Sure. Uh, you know? sure. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a great question. So, look, let's put it this way. It, it's a slow journey because when I came home on day 28, 29, I remember my wife coming in and seeing me praying at the bed. Wow. She saw me praying, right? 30 days ago, I was a lunatic. <laughs> All right? Like, I was a tequila drinking, crazy lunatic. And now she's seeing me pray. You know? And it was a little bit like, okay. You know, like, oh. so everything took time. Everything took time. But what happened was once I slowly started getting comfortable in my own skin. Um, look, there's something that we haven't discussed that I think is very important to put on the table. And I know one of your first guests, so I'm sorry, but I need to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it... I did not heal my alcoholism. I believe in a power greater than myself that I call God okay. that relieved me of it, mm-hmm. relieved me of it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a very, because my whole personality and my whole demeanor is a man of faith, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to point anybody to a religion, mm-hmm. but there are things going on, my man, that are inexplainable. Example, can you explain how right now we are on a Zoom call from Ireland to South. Can you actually explain, can you explain when you go turn the lights on, the electricity going around? Can you explain that right now in the ocean, there are whales that know how to communicate with one another? Can you explain how airplanes can go and and the radar technology, how I can text you my number right now? There are so many things that you can't see, taste, touch, hear, but are around you that are are powers. Powers, spiritual powers around us. And um, I call this my higher power, God. And that is what helped me. You know, so what happened was this strength, this faith was coming out. And I always tell people it doesn't have to be the God of religion, Mm -hmm. at least in the beginning. See where religious people are right. See where they feel fulfilled. See where they feel like they have that confidence. But maybe you have a loved one that died, a father, a mother, a grandmother, a grandpa, and you can talk to them on the other side. But open yourself up spiritually. You know, the material world changes quickly. Look, I got gray hair. You know, the material changes quick powerful in their lives connect to that because that will help you out in your journey to to reach your goals to, to reach where you want but that will, uh, absolutely as a lot of the things that i do is is about i try to show people that this beautiful spiritual life mm-hmm. it's not a theory but you have to actually do it like any like like building a business like building your body anything that you care about it takes a discipline and it takes a commitment 
you know? So if you want to feel like you're walking on water, you want to feel like the universe is just doing things for you, that, that, that God has your back, that anything is possible. You can't just think it. You have to live it. You have to meditate. You have to do some breathing. You have to do some journaling. You have to do one random act of kindness. You have to take nice walks in nature. You have to take inventory of your emotions when you're high, when you're low. There's a way to actually live a spiritual life that's a lot more than meditating in the Himalayas or praying in a church or a synagogue or a mosque. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a way of life. Just like when you're building a muscle, it takes the proper nutrition, it takes the proper training, and it takes the proper rest. You need all three. All, well, your spiritual life is the same. Mm-hmm. To be spiritually fit, you have to do these things. And that goes to your question of how that happened with business. When you're, when you're connected and you're aligned and you feel alive, mm-hmm. You own everything. Yeah. Business, business is easy, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you're, you're on a different foundation. You're on a strong foundation. You know, I've gone through my trials and tribulations. I've gone through my ups and downs. But I can actually say the hardest day in business or the hardest day drinking and drugging, I'll take the hardest day in business any day of the week. Mm-hmm how you got into this entrepreneurship and leadership, you know, and I mean, when I see you have a mass following on the social media, <laughs> you know, started, um, so this is my journey, right? Like I can't say everyone's is, is the same. Yeah. Mine started with really caring about people. Mm-hmm. That's how my journey started. You know, my social media is growing organically because I'm being me. And my thing, business is a wonderful, beautiful thing, right? And I coach a lot of people in business, but it takes faith. Let me give you an example. Forget about faith religiously. I'm just talking about faith. Listen, many people when I'm coaching them, and I'm talking about like big money people, big, they're talking about some big numbers. You got to get comfortable hearing no. Uh If you hear no or you hear rejection, you're going to start quivering, feeling less than, not not ready to make the next sell, not ready to close the next deal, not ready to hire five more people, to fire six more people, whatever you have to do. you You need to have a thick skin, but not a thick skin that you're acting like a tough guy. You need to be spiritually sound so you can, you, you can ride the waves of business. Business is never strictly scaling up it's impossible okay even when you're scale look even when you're scaling up and things are doing great that means you have to grow you may have to create a funnel or you may have to put into something for social media or you may have to buy a new machine because you're gro- right you're, you're you're producing something you need to buy a new machine because your things are going so well but now you're back in a little bit of debt because the machine is expensive so it's it's never straight like this it's bump 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 right in and out money is an energy in and out like the like the ocean it ebbs and it flows so where I'm growing is, and what I'm trying to push people is, this stuff that I'm talking about, this alignment, this healthy part, 
this helps you not just in business, this helps you with your family. This helps you with your daily life. You know, I have a friend who runs a big company, big agency. One of the things he said he admires me about the most, because I, I was I wasn't I was really thrilled that he thought so highly of me. He's like Adam. And I never said he goes, Adam, everybody's addicted to something. I agree. So to have freedom of whatever it is, freedom, freedom from eating, freedom from worry, freedom from gambling, freedom from eating too much, freedom from sex, freedom to have that, like that you can just stay here. It's the greatest feeling in the world, bro. Mm -hmm. You're content and your faith in what you do, right? I'm human. I'm human. I'm, I'm you know, I have to work on this every day. Some days are better than others, but I'm there, you know, I'm locked in most days. Uh, let, let, let us talk about your book, man. I mean, I love your book. Uh, how did you, how did you choose the name uh, for your book? And, and it's one of the best selling books out there, man. And then how did you do that? I appreciate it. So I'm going to try to make it very, uh, <clears throat> because I want you to feel it and I want anyone that's listening to us feel it. Can you remember the day that you said you were going to start this podcast? Once you felt that I wanted to, did you feel something pulling you, pushing you? Did you feel like it, it I had to make this happen? I had to, can, yeah. can you explain that? Like, what was it? Like, you were like, I'm going to do it. What was that? <laughs> uh, to be really honest, uh, uh, my friend, the one thing I wanted to get out of this podcast was to have fun. Uh, but I also wanted uh, to bring in uh, people from various backgrounds. And I wanted them to come uh, to my podcast and have fun, uh, be themselves, be raw and honest, share their journey, share their experiences. Uh, you know, and, and I wanted to, it to be a platform for people to learn uh, and know uh, uh, their, their favorite speaker or leaders or entrepreneurs um, and yeah to answer your question I, I felt really really good I knew that I wanted to do this uh, I was planning like okay I used to think about um, uh, putting the title for the episodes like I saw I'm gonna bring Adam Jabble into the show uh, what is the name of the episode that I would keep um, and, and, and it, it, it really really uh, gives you the energy to just keep going and keep going you know so I think I think I think I've you felt the same thing with, with your book, right? I felt like, so I went to a really good rehab treatment center called the Hanley Center, which I still think is the best in the world. But it was expensive, you know, it was like $30,000. And wow. I, kept thinking, I kept thinking, it's not fair that I'm learning all these gifts and all these lessons because I can afford it. Mm-hmm. You know, and what about somebody else that's sick and suffering or the mom or dad that's worried about their kid that's sick and suffering or the husband or the wife? I'm like, it's not fair. It's not fair. And I just felt this thing pulling me, like coming out of me. Just, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I mean, I am now, but I'm not a writer. I didn't think I was a writer. I, but I just knew I, I had to get type you know and i started and i i and the things that were coming out some were really good some were really bad but i was like i gotta see this through i need to see this through i i hired a writing coach not a ghostwriter a writing coach mm -hmm. because i need to make sure that every single word that was in that book was mine 
my feelings, my, I has had to, I can't explain why. And they would teach me things like, you can't keep telling, you can't tell the reader. You have to show the reader. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, you just told them that you're, you know, you're, trust me, I'm Adam Javelin. Like, you have to bring them into the story. You have to say, we were on a podcast. You know what I mean? And I looked at his beard and it was dark brown. I saw the black microphone coming out. But in my room, it was 72 degrees with the white walls. And I was wearing a gray shirt. And I was wondering, how warm is it in his room? Is he comfortable? I hope he's as comfortable as me. But then I turned around and I saw my water bottle. Like, you have to bring the reader into the story. You can't just say, I was on a podcast, trust me. So I was learning all these things and I had all these memories and, and I just did it, you know? I just kept putting my lessons and putting my uh, feelings and putting my memories onto the computer and, and, and working with the coach and then her saying, it's time to move on from me, you did great. And then, and then understanding how to put um, a series together, as in I needed to make sure that the reader understands what Superman means to me. So when Superman keeps coming up in the book, it, it, there's a theme. It's not like just a one-time thing. And I had, I had to really go out there and show people all of my emotions of what, when my grandmother, my Gaga died, what it felt like to be a father that was in rehab, what it felt like to take over the family business, what it felt like to meet my mentor, Dion. I, I had to bring them into the, the, the recovery transformation. And um, I can't explain what that energy is. It's like something's, you're giving birth to something. Um, but it's, a, it's like a knowing. It's but, like, but I you, know I have to do this. I you know, know I have to do this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really like the book, my friend. Uh, to be very honest, I felt really connected uh, to that. And, and, and it, the journey, the pain and the glory that you have expressed in the book that speaks volumes, you know, and 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 I, I agree the reason it is number one selling book because I'm very much sure there are many Adam Jablins out there who wants to connect uh, with your story and they want to know who is the man behind this number one selling book, you know. The book has had many lives. You know, I don't want to get too personal because some things are meant to be kept like in a house, but my wife wasn't crazy about it for her own reasons. And none of her reasons are any less valid than my reasons for doing it. You know, you can't say she's wrong and you can't say I'm right. And you can't say I'm wrong. And she can't say she's, you know, right. Um, so the book actually has had many lives at the first one it was called confessions of a Lotsaholic by Adam J because I wasn't just kidding, putting my last name out. It was in a lot of treatment centers all around the world. And then, um, then I made the one that you read and I had it for about three years ready, about three years. And I kept doing my talks in the recovery world and people that needed help, not just alcoholism and addiction. And then when we sold the business, it was time to be me. And I put it on Amazon and it just started moving. Uh -huh. It just started moving. So it's taking a life of its own. The audiobook is going to be out within a couple of weeks. Uh, my mentor, Dion, recorded a forward for me. It, 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 but 
to tell you the truth, man, this, the, the book itself has been a whole boxing match, mm-hmm. you know? So this whole, you know, you're catching me early in this whole transformation, you know, coming out party. Oh, I, and what happened with the business? Like, uh, I, I know yeah. that you, you sold the business, uh, and 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 you 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 is your dad still working uh, and he's he's he consulting my dad my dad <laughs> my dad stallion man so uh, a company that it's uh, a long story so a company that bought a bank of machines so we designed and manufactured lace we were manufacturers which are done on these huge lace machines beautiful lace machines Carl Mayer Jackatronic, Jackards, uh, Rocheltronics, Fascinations, you name it, we had it. And um, my dad, when we sold, and he sold the bank of the machines to this company, they kept them on as a consultant. Wow. They asked me, um, we never spoke numbers, but they asked me if I wanted to continue. Mm -hmm. And I loved leading men. And I loved leading a team. Mm-hmm. I had no passion for lace. And I thought internally that that was wrong. I can't tell you if it's right or wrong, but like I would never go into Victoria's Secrets proud. Yeah. I never went in going, oh, look at my, fa-, you know what I mean? And I always felt like you should have that. You should have some, you know, I was proud of how I, how I worked. I was proud of how I led my men. I was pr- proud of how I made everybody a team. I knew when to make the play. I knew when to call the customer. I knew when to order the, I, I was proud of how to run a business, but I wasn't proud of what I was making. So now that it's a part of my past, this I'm proud of. Yeah, and, and is, your, is your dad, how old is your dad now? 70. Wow, and so is, is he really now proud of the Adam Jablin, you know? He's, he's proud of me. Yeah, he's proud of me. Um, but that took a long time because, you know, fathers and sons, man. Yeah. It's a tricky relationship. I don't know if I just, I didn't understand that his way of loving me was being hard on me. I don't know if I didn't understand that his way of saying, I trust you or I love you is by letting me run the business. I don't, you know, looking back, you see things so clear, but during the days, all I wanted was for him to say it. Mm-hmm. All I wanted was a hug. You know, I'm a big bull. I'm very sensitive for a guy. It's, it's a, it's, it used to make me crazy, mm-hmm. but I would have given all my money, my whole salary up for him to tell me he's proud of me. Mm-hmm. You know, but he wasn't wired like that. You know, he just, the way he said it was like, you know, I say it in your paycheck. That's what I heard, you know? And, um, but he's proud of me now. Yeah, he's really proud of me now. I don't know if my dad shows me off necessarily. I don't know if he's like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it may be because he's proud of himself. Yeah. You know, I think he's really proud of what he's accomplished. And um, 
you know, so maybe, yeah, he's proud of his son, but like, it's a little bit of like, look at me, you know? Uh, and, and I, and I respect him for that. Like that's, he's a, uh, he's a genius. My father's a genius. Well, I think, I think now, uh, definitely, uh, you know, he, he's definitely a proud dad, a proud grandfather as well. Uh, but that, that makes me bring back to our question. Uh, what I realized listening to you and your journey is that, uh, is success really in our genes uh, or we really have to work hard? And I think, I think we have uh, to work hard to achieve uh, the success in our life. And there are ups and downs uh, uh, which, which will uh, help you to evolve um, as who you are, right? And I think that is what your journey is all about, my friend. I think it is a tremendous journey um, uh, that you have uh, traveled so far. I'm a, I don't want to sound corny, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm a big believer in consistency. And with, with that, you can make anything happen. I have seen with my own eyes, friends that couldn't say five, six words because of what alcohol and drugs did to their brain, become the best speakers you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. okay i'm not saying that if you're bad with numbers right you should become an accountant i'm saying that if you're bad with numbers you could be amazing at it if you work with them every day you know i put up a, a a post the other day which i love which is like your first podcast will suck my first draft of my book eh you know what I mean? The first time I lifted a weight, eh, you know, but I really believe that if you're consistent, and I mean, I don't mean three days a week, you know? I don't mean, I mean like obsessive. You can be good at anything. Now listen, without sounding too corny, your genes will give you certain limitations. I don't think that at five, six, okay, mm -hmm. I could have Michael Jordan's game. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I couldn't have had the dream to own the team he played for. Yes. Right? So you got to like, sometimes you got to open your mind. I love basketball, but I'm five, six, and I'm not as fast, and I'm not as strong, and my game's not good. That doesn't mean you don't have, you have to leave basketball. Maybe you want to become the coach. Maybe you want to own the team. You know, like there's a lot of different ways to make your dreams happen. The Rock, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson yeah, yeah. wanted to be a football player. He's a huge guy. Yeah, listen to his story. I love it. When he felt like when he couldn't do play football anymore, he thought he was done. Wow. But he, look at him now, you know. Right. He's one of the highest paid actors in, 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 in the world. He, he has made himself from somewhere to some other place, man. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Cons consistent, you know? And I think with that consistency, if you can let go a little bit, just a little bit, and realize that something is happening in your life that you can't explain and try to go with it, mm -hmm. try to go with it, you know, just... Just let, let life take you 
on this beautiful journey. But you, at the same time, you're consistent every day. Every day you're putting in the work. Uh-huh. You know, because then one day you get the phone call. Yeah, let's do the podcast. Hey, your book hit number one. I'd love for you to be my co- it, it, you, But you gotta, you gotta let go a little bit. You know, if you're trying to control everything, it's it's very difficult. Best selling book in September is going to be a number one best selling book. And wow, Amazon. man! Congratulations for that, hey, man. Hey. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm really excited for that day. Um, more for, I think, a little bit of pride. So I'd like to, not in an unhealthy way, just to see like, wow, I made a number. And I'd like to um, continue talking, continue spreading my word. But at the same time, I'm now, I have, I have a coaching program called The Hero Project. Mm-hmm. I even teamed up with a guy named Zach Smith. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable guy, 33 years old, raised $350 million. He's worth quite a bit. He works on the financial, why I work on the mindset, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. Mm-hmm. So when we get together, you get the full package because he's a financial guru. And I'd like to experience this new life this of, of coaching, of doing podcasts, of speaking, of um, writing another book of this next chapter of my life, this next journey, because I got to tell you, this has been, you would think you say all this stuff, like, Oh, you sold the business and the numbers and, and you know, you would think that this has been the greatest time of my life. This has been the hardest time I've ever had aside from getting sober. Well, amazing, man. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, transformation journey there i i also heard that uh you will be touring uh, uh the country as well uh, is it is it uh, a virtual kind of touring uh, or webinars or uh, what's what's on that front uh, it's going to be virtual touring and that actually you know there's a i'm learning this as i go so what i'm telling you I'm learning. There's a there's a business to all of it. So once it hits number one, then there's more um, campaigns out, and it goes from regional media to national media to around the world, and you and you do it like a, a nice, beautiful progress, you know. So it's not like um, you don't get a number one book and go right to Oprah. Oh. You know, it's a nice, beautiful. You you do, you do podcasts. Anybody that you would that would like to get to know you, you help them out. They help you out. It, it's a really nice organic thing, and there's a, a there are systems in place. That by the way, same thing with my Instagram. I wasn't the one that you know. I everything that I post is genuine and it's me. But there's a system. Mm-hmm. There's a system, and you know, if you look at my Instagram, you look at it a little bit, you could go, I see it. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Okay. Twitter viral picture of that Twitter, but like you start going like, okay, there's a rip. So I didn't make any of this up. I'm just following the path, being as genuine and as open as possible. And bro, just, you know, I've always, this is from my grandmother. So okay. I'm proud to mention her cause she's in spirit. I've always treated everybody the same. Okay. The janitor and the president of the United States you and Howard Stern and Oprah Winfrey, you treat everybody the same. Appreciate that, man. It's the truth, man. You treat everybody with love and respect 
and humility and it comes back it comes back in spades uh, yeah i i also heard that your uh, new book uh, second book uh, is going to be more funny or are you are you still writing it what's the what's the case uh, there that's going to be an emotional book to write man i got to tell you because <laughs> it's like so funny uh, and i'm sure you understand this better than anybody you could say everything that happened and it could take three sentences right like um the navy seal went through boot camp went through what is that thing they all go through um the navy seal went through uh they have a hell week right hell week and now he's a navy seal right but what you know what really happened there those were months and months of exhaustion and training and you know and and to get to where i'm at now like oh selling the like selling the business it was not 1 2 3 nothing was 1 2 3 and saying goodbye to my employees and finding them jobs after working with them me for 23 years my dad for almost 40 and selling the building and watching the machines go and the change in my house and the my, my wife seeing that i'm not going to be this guy anymore i'm going to be that guy and i mean it you know yeah you could say hey sold a nine figure business wrote a number one best selling book blah, blah, blah. but behind the scenes who quite a journey uh, yeah i'm pretty much sure man uh, your second book will be as successful as the first book you know uh, i just wanted to ask you before we end the episode uh, how are you coping up with this covid 19 situation my friend uh, and and what are your thoughts about it you know first off let's deal with the reality of it right yeah i'm sorry to all of them it's not easy seeing my kids stay home not mm-hmm. seeing their friends as often you know that these are beautiful ages that you're supposed to be around friends and the kids going into college and and having dreams of taking over this company and entrepreneurship and science and whatever they're into and and the reality is I'm sad and I'm sorry that they're experiencing this and it's the first ever it's not like any my grandfather's 95 and alive he's never seen a pandemic like this is the first mm-hmm. so we're all experiencing this together if you're asking Adam Jablin for real like what do you think i don't know about ireland but like every day man there's more people riding bikes walking even with masks it's almost like i think the universe is just giving us a little bit of a reboot mm-hmm. to get more in tune with what's important yeah and we're learning to communicate zoom in ways that we've never all communicated before and to have some faith that all of this is for a higher reason a higher calling mm-hmm. and that the world's going to be better not worse yeah because i'm seeing something really beautiful in humanity happen mm-hmm. i really am and sometimes you have to you have to like get the ugly out once and for all you know in the states there's a big thing happening with racism and black lives matter and i got to, it's so sad because you would think at this point at 2020 this like we like us humans would be like we would have learned by now yeah. you know so like maybe we're all learning this together it doesn't matter if you're 40 20 95 70 10 and 14 like we're all learning this together but i do believe in my heart that it'll be better when they get back and they'll they'll be so appreciative
appreciative of, we all will, of what we all can do and what we all have here together, you know? And that's just how I think and that's how I believe. Absolutely, I think I think we as humans have to work with each other, learn from each other and, and lead a better life. And with that said, Adam, it was amazing chatting with you, my friend. Thanks for joining me today and sharing your journey. Uh, to the listeners, uh, I will share the description uh, how to reach out to Adam, uh, so please do. Until the next episode, uh, next speaker with a new journey, with a new, um, with a new topic, Mika Zim, signing off. Mm-hmm.